Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Tuesday Night Jaw Meets uh, with a repeat customer this time around. Customer is not the right word. Guest is the right word. Um, I'm recording this in my car on my driveway at half past two on Friday morning after just getting back from the Fighting Spirit uh, Wrestling School in uh, Magull in Liverpool, where I've been chatting to Zach Gibson for the second time because we wanted to do uh, Zach Gibson's Adventures in China Part 2. Um, I'm recording this in my car because I don't want to go into my house because it's very late, I've just got home. Um, I don't want to go into my house and wake up uh, my wife and my son, but also I want to put this podcast out tonight so I can go in a minute, uh, edit everything together and put it out and you guys can enjoy it. And believe me, it's a treat. It's genuinely great because Mr. Gibson's stories about his travels are wonderful and there's bits in this that I'm still cracking up about now. So enjoy that. Quick plugs. Obviously, listen to everything on the Distraction Pieces Network. I'm super proud to be on it. Um, my wrestling company is Progress Wrestling. ProgressWrestling.com, demand-progress.com uh, to see all of our shows, including many that feature Zach Gibson, including our first ever show. And you can certainly see the difference uh, from him then uh, to our last show that we did, which was Chapter 55, Alexandra Palace. Um, uh, my website is jimsmallman.com point people at jimsmallman.com slash tnj follow me on twitter at jimsmallman a little plug for something cool that I'm doing Um, I am doing a show about uh, the history of professional wrestling Uh, it's called I'm Sorry I Love You a history of professional wrestling Um, I can't remember the link to the tickets um, but it'd be, it's a work in progress thing that I'm doing for various reasons, some of which you might be able to read between the lines and figure out. Um, so I'm going to pin the tweet to my the, the top of my Twitter feed now so you can see it. So if you want to come to it, it's in Leicester on, I want to say February the 18th, but I could have got that date wrong. It's, on, it's in Leicester in February. It's on a Sunday afternoon between progress shows um, and it's like a fiver. And it, it starts at five. It's only an hour. It'll be finished by about six-ish. So if you want to come to it, there's loads of time for you to get home. Leicester's in the middle of everything. It's in the middle of the Leicester Comedy Festival. Come to it. It's a work in progress, but it's for various reasons. It'd be great if I could fill it. It'd be even better if I could actually like, pretty much fill it before the Leicester Comedy Festival tickets actually go on sale. So I'll pin that tweet now, at Jim Smallman on Twitter. Go to that. Um, 
Uh, and obviously, um, we plug this at the end. Listen all the way to the end for the plugs for the Fighting Spirit School uh, in Liverpool. Um, Zach Gibson and James Drake are doing a great job. Brilliant trainees down there, being taught things the right way. It's a fantastic facility. If you're thinking about getting into wrestling and you live up in the northwest, you live up Liverpool way, then go along there. It's genuinely really good. I'm really impressed by it. Those guys are my friends, but seriously, it's a great place to go and train. Um, and we talk a bit about him being a coach, but we talk quite a lot about <laughs> about the utter ridiculousness of his tours to China. So anyway, enjoy. Um, sorry it's a bit late this week. Got a cool guest for next week as well. Probably won't put next week's up until Wednesday, so this one's got a bit of time to percolate. Um, and enjoy, and if you're coming to Progress on Sunday, as always, you know how it works. Give me a high five. Uh, anyway, enjoy me chat to Zach Gibson. I'll catch you on the other side. Right, Mr. Gibson. It's a bit echoey, probably. Probably not as echoey as my kitchen's been on recent episodes. Um, where are we? In life? or No, no. I mean, at the minute. Physically, <laughs> what building are we sat in at the moment? We are at the Fighting Spirits Pro Wrestling Gym in Magull, Liverpool. It is quarter past 11. Because <laughs> we've been chalking for too long. <laughs> <laughs> We've already done two off-the-record podcasts. Yeah, they're brilliant as well. They're, they're badass. All the stories that were too hot. Too hot for a Tuesday Night Jaw. And we've just finished a, a good session, I think. Yeah, so this is, this is your school, isn't it? It is. Man and James Drake. Um, it's not just a gimmick. We are actually mates. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I mean, I, I only live down the road, so I've been saying uh, this is something that I want to try and do more is... It's in my interest for, for British wrestling to get better. And knowing that guys like you and JD are doing, are doing training. And, and I know you had, I think four of your lads did ring crew for us in Manchester. That's the Manchester yeah. show. And there were such nice lads. So attentive. So wanted my feedback on stuff. And, and I said to them, like I do most trainees, if you, you know, you can DM me on Twitter anytime you want. It might take me a week to get back to you, but I'll, I'll always get back to you. Because and, and, I want... I want everyone to get better, and I think at the minute, like, I mean, this place is amazing for us because it's normally like a martial arts place, isn't it? Yeah. So, well, basically, if you actually have a quick look, you'll notice it is a swimming pool. Oh yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> so this is actually, obviously, this is um, just around the corner from my house. This is my old gym. This is where I used to train. Right. So I, I've always known this has been here, but I didn't know what it got turned into. So like, this used to be a gym. There used to be just weights through in there, which is now like a jungle gym for the kids hmm. um, upstairs there was like matted areas for people to do yoga and stuff like that I'm pretty sure they just still do yoga <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the pool got emptied out as you can see um, the guy that owns it Brendan stuck these rails around the side filled it with mats when we found it we were I remember saying to JD like we need to try this place we need to ask him we need to ask him and he was like oh, he'll never have us because that's how good it looks in here. Yeah. It looks too good for them for us to rock up and go, oh, can we do wrestling here, please? I remember you tweeting photos, because I get asked a lot by people, um, I live in this place, where should I train? And I have standard responses. And if, it's, if you're anywhere near Liverpool, you need to train with you guys. And this is a new... I, just because... JD's worked for us less time, but I, he's still someone that I trust. You've worked for us since our first show. So, like, I know that if... I know you've been trained the right way, so I know that you're going to teach people the right way. Saying that, one of the reasons why this place is so good is because I have been trained the right way, yeah. and I've also been trained the wrong way. <laughs> I've been trained a lot 
<laughs> a lot of times along the way. I've wasted time, I've wasted years, mm. and it pains me physically and mentally. So mentally, when I look back and I see some guys who've been doing it for a year and they're already so much better than I was after three or four years, that annoys me. And then when I try to get up in the morning and something goes in my back, mm. that annoys me a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> and I think back to the bad training and like, Obviously, don't get me wrong, like, I'm not going to stand here and say that I do this because I want to help everyone be wrestlers. That's one of the reasons why I enjoy doing this. Mm. I do this to make more money. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll say that honestly. But whilst we're here, like, I will never let anyone leave until I tell them the right way to do it. Yeah. Uh, we start at half past six and we end at half past nine. Today, we finished at about 10, quarter past 10. That's early for when we normally finish. <laughs> Me and JD are normally here way longer because if I see something that I want to show them, I'll just keep them there and we'll do it again. Well, I saw that at the end because I came up to do, and I've done this, at, I used to do this at uh, what, what was the Projo, what's now Knuckle Locks in London, and I've done it at um, Fight Club Pro School in Wolverhampton. And I'll come and do just little promo things. And because I live near here, I've said I want to try and come back in like a month's time and do, maybe do something else because, again... That's the, I can't tell people how to wrestle. I can tell people what I like. But I can, I can help people with promos because I've taught people how to do comedy for the last 10 years. I can do it. Um, and and it's, it's, it's amazing seeing the, the enthusiasm for everyone who's here because it's, I mean, it's a Thursday night. There was a lot of people here. Um, and also, is, as soon as we finished doing the, the little... We split the class into two, didn't we? And you, the people were doing stuff in the ring and I was doing promo stuff. And as soon as that was finished, people still... It wasn't like people were like, well... Finished. Let's get going. It's not like the last lesson at school when everyone's like, oh, "I can't wait to get home." What was interesting was how people still wanted to talk to you and JD, and still wanted your opinion on stuff, whether or not they're at a point where they're actually wrestling yet. They still want to be able to develop their character yeah. and get better. And that's again, they can obvi- they can obviously feel the enthusiasm that you guys have for this school because they want to approach subjects with you all the time no, I'm very confident in like the actual in-ring training that we provide mm. I'm very confident in the nutrition advice that JD gives not me and <laughs> 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 the nutrition advice that we give and in the cardio and conditioning advice that we give but on top of that even if even if you can try to argue that someone can do it better which again I would argue because I'm, I'm very confident in our own abilities mm. If nothing else, no school anywhere in the world has more fun than we have. <laughs> I can't. Obviously, we still do Hindu squats, we still do Hindu push-ups. But you find me another school that has entered the Six Aside Footy League every Monday, <laughs> or you find me another school that plays Quidditch as a warm-up. <laughs> well, when I walked in, because I, I arrived about an hour after training had started, and I, because um, there's a lot of traffic lights between Central Liverpool and here, I learned. Um, but when I arrived, like, I walked in, and outside of when I'm on shows and stuff, I'm quite unassuming. I kind of just sort of sneak in and hide. And it just felt like everyone felt like they're having a good time. And, yeah, when you're training to be a wrestler, you're here to work. But at the same time, you know, you, you, it's got to be some fun, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Like, I think some people forget that wrestling is fun anyway. Mm. I mean, we're trying to entertain fans, so... They can only feed off what we're feeding off. Yeah. If we're only giving them a 3 out of 10 of energy, they'll sit there at a 3 out of 10. Yeah. We have to bring them up energy-wise. We want them to have fun. If we're not enjoying ourselves, they can clearly see it on your face. And you start as you mean to go on. So we're trying to bring people out of the shell. Yeah. We had a, a really good break. I won't drop names in case it embarrasses anyone, but we had a really good breakthrough with one of the lads just joined the promo class, yes. which I've already said I've been buzzing off. 
And um, that's what we're trying to do. We have to bring them out of their shell. Mm. And then you just give them multiple opportunities. If, you, if we played Quidditch every single week <laughs> and this kid is still not smiling, <laughs> Quidditch's not going to do it. So we don't do that every week. We actually only did it once, but it was really fun. Um, we but play dodgeball and we do crab football and we just do all sorts of like heads and balls, all these stupid things just for team building yeah. and to just get people to talk to each other. But, but team building is an important thing. Like, I always, the thing I'm proud of at progress shows is, and again, it might just be me seeing it from my point of view as a promoter, but I always feel that I can walk into a locker room and go, I like everyone here. And I feel that everyone here kind of likes everyone else. There's probably going to be exceptions here and there, but it feels like I got asked to do an interview for a website a little while ago. And this guy sent me this interview and I do all the press stuff for progress. So he sent me this interview and it, I always, and it was all these questions and they were all like, have you ever had a break of a fight backstage? You know, uh, do you ever see people doing drugs backstage? And so I'm like, I gave him the most boring answers. <laughs> I was just like, no, I, I really like everyone who works for us. No one's ever fallen out. Like, if people have got an opinion about what we ask them to do, they'll come to us and discuss it and it's normally very civil. And, and, and he ended up not publishing the article because <laughs> I've given him such boring answers, but they were the truth. Like, people want the dirt and they want... Yeah. They want to think that there's this big rivalry and stuff like this. If this was, if a training session here was a Hollywood film, it would be like Karate Kid, with like one lad just overcoming all odds. Whereas what it is, what wrestling is, it's it's people helping people to make entertainment. I actually say this all the time. It's it's the ultimate team sport. It's actually the only true team sport because mm. if you watch football, which is considered a team sport, that's eleven versus eleven, where eleven win and eleven lose. Yeah. Whereas in wrestling, we all work together to win. That's a great point. Mate. Yeah, I say this to them all the time. One of the good things about, I like about this as well is that I can actually still, like I said before, make money. But <laughs> I can still make money when I'm injured or yeah. you know, just midweek sometimes when the shows are a little bit down. This is something else to do with wrestling. So this school in itself has made my life better where I can do the thing that I love yeah. even during the week, even without the summer, without the midweek shows. I can do the thing that I love. I share it with one of my oldest mates in this job. If ever I can't do it, because I do have one of the midweek jobs, he'll do it for me, yeah. or vice versa. And particularly now it's relevant, because I am actually... I wouldn't necessarily say it's a massive injury, but I tore a little bit of my pec, and so I can still come down here, have a laugh with the lads. They make my life happier. They see that I'm enjoying it. Yeah. They feed off that. Was it always Was it always your intention to end up like training? Because so, I know that when you first did... You were one of the first people I sort of did a sort of sit-down interview with. Um, and... Was it always the intention to sort of do this? So when I first chatted to you, was this in the back of your head to do? It was never an intention, yet I always seemed to be doing it. (laughs) (laughs) When I was in school and people used to ask me, what are you going to do? I kind of wanted to be a teacher. Yeah. I just, I don't know, I just kind of liked it. And then um, when I was in school, I was actually, not to blow my hand from it, but I won like an award for being the best at maths. In Merseyside, <laughs> in year nine. <laughs> you and um, Keith Lee are the two maths geniuses, because he's a maths genius So as well. they used to like help, I used to help out other lads in class to do yeah. that, and I was just always going that way, and then there's a direct correlation between my grades and wrestling. <laughs> when I decided I want to be a wrestler, just something happened, I don't know what it was. I actually handed in one of my, um, when I went to uni, I have a degree in accounting and finance, mm. as Jim Ross announced on ITV. Um, I don't know why he did that. <laughs> What's your favourite formula in Excel? Equals count. Uh, VLOOKUP. I like equals count. I just Concatenate's quite good as well. <laughs> I can only do maths in Excel, guys. <laughs> that's actually me doing stand-up material, because whenever I ask someone in the audience what they do, I go, what do you do? And they say accountant. 
I always go, what's your favourite Formula XL? And it always gets a laugh from four people and <laughs> no one else. And it's perfectly acceptable. It's, um, it is, it, it, I think some people like do enjoy teaching. It's weird because I, I was a teacher. So like, it, it's not unusual for me. It doesn't feel unusual for me to come and do promo training, for example. Um, or when I started doing stand-up, it doesn't feel unusual for me to teach people how to write and perform stand-up. That feels normal. Um, but when I was a kid, I wasn't like that. I, you know, it, it was something... I'll be honest, I became a teacher because I was like, oh, shit, it's 26 grand a year to, to not work the summer. <laughs> 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 I'll be honest. And there'll be teachers listening to this going, it's exactly... That is that's why. why there's so many teachers in wrestling. Like, that is 100% why there's so many teachers in it. Um, it's... Yeah, I mean... It, but you and JD are both so sort of, you seem so comfortable with it. And I suppose part of that comes if you've, when you've trained to be a wrestler, you've been, like you say, you've been around people who are good trainers and you've been around people who are not good trainers. So presumably, you know, in 20 years time, people who are training wrestling in 20 years time are going to be fucking amazing based uh, on this logic. Definitely. Because I said like some of our lads have only been doing it for four months and they're putting on these matches that are very modern and Joe, don't get me wrong, they, they might not be able to necessarily main event the shows right now, but after four months to walk straight on at the bottom of a card and no one know mm. the difference between you and the guys a little bit higher up. It's just unreal how quickly some of them have progressed. And you guys are putting... So you're putting shows on in here as well, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, we've done, we've done one so far and it was, it was like well better than we ever could have expected, really. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the venue's already set up for us. We literally rip all these mats up, pull the ring into the middle, yeah. get new lights in the PA system that we borrow and the whole place gets transformed. But at the same time, it has that kind of grungy underground feel yeah. to it because we are in a hollowed out swimming pool like is there anything I know you guys are punk rock wrestling but that's pretty fucking punk rock I mean to be it? fair mate we did, we did that show in New York where it was as wet as a swimming pool by the end of it I was uh, trying to watch through the curtain and the ceiling was crying on me because it was too hot you were looking like you were out there at the beginning <laughs> if you actually I watched it back when you put it on demand and I just I was just laughing my head off just I remember Jack, because Jack always rips me for being blown up at every opportunity anyway. <laughs> but he was like mocking me before we even went out because he knew how bad I was going to be. Yeah. And I had finished my promo and it looked like I got out of the shower in my T-shirt. <laughs> it was piss wet through. I was going to ask if you were nervous for that because I, like, I, was a bit, I was a bit fed up this afternoon. So I watched, I thought I'd, I'd just watch the beginning of that show again because I know it's probably one of the coolest things I'm ever going to experience because having like Gabe who used to work for ECW come up to me at the end of the show and go that was like ECW used to be I was like ooh that's a bit good he was like that's what it used to be like when Paul Heyman would go out and do his speech at the start of a show and I was like oh that like I'm sure he he knew it was a cool thing to say to me but at the same time like that blew my mind but the beginning of that show was so it was so hot and so mental in there that I found it difficult going out from the curtain and even saying hi to the fans like I would in Camden or Manchester. And I found it really weird. And then I was so nervous because it's a new country and I wasn't expecting it. And then luckily they were so loud I didn't really have to say anything. Yeah. But I don't know how nervous because the start of the show it was like because we had to adjust things for injuries. We made the start of a show like a Monday Night Raw. <laughs> <laughs> it was the it was the promo start of the show, and I know that like you and Jack have re- it yeah. felt really cool being able to put. It sucked that we couldn't do Jack and Pete, but it felt really cool that we could put you and Jack together because I know that most people are aware that you guys are really good yeah. friends. Um, both you guys are good friends of mine, so I, I trust you both to be in there at the start of the at the start of the show. Um, so the match-wise, I wasn't worried about, but like, how nervous were you guys all about the promo? Do you know what, though? Because I get to start with a promo, yeah. so I'm in my element. I'm yeah. absolutely fine with that. 
Um, I'm in front of a new crowd in America. That was a little bit... Mm. Affair. When I was in the multi-man, I was more worried. Yeah. Because I was thinking, how am I going to stand out? And I don't want to just be okay. Yeah. I want to stand out. Yeah. I want everyone to remember me from the yeah. match. The second it got swapped to Jack again, I was like, oh, well, this is easy. Yeah. Like, we're going to have a brilliant match. I know that for a fact. There's no... There's no other way. The thing that I was nervous about is how hot it was <laughs> yeah. and how bad my cardio can be. <laughs> I don't really have... I say this a lot. I don't really have cardio. I don't really have any base level of cardio. My cardio is the crowd. Yeah. So if I hit a big move and you pop, I'll get back off and keep on going. Yeah. If I hit a big move and you don't, I may never get up again. <laughs> so this is a weird thing in that there's a thing in comedy called Dr. Showbiz which is, I could have... So I've done stand-up with pneumonia, right? And I've been, like, dead backstage. They've had to pick me up. They've announced my name, and I've gone out on stage, and people have left, and i felt invincible for 20 minutes, and they go backstage and die again. And I've seen wrestlers do that. I've seen wrestlers, like... Um, remember Paul Robinson being really sick backstage at the first show? Yeah, at the first show we did at the ballroom, and he wrestled Tommy. And, and he was, like... The brink of it turns out afterwards we found out on the brink of death he was that ill. Um, but you know, it was like, oh, lights are on, music's on. It must have happened. Must the have most happened. drunk I've ever been was off playing spirit pong with my mates, and it was it was so <laughs> not pathetic. even beer pong, uh, spirit it was pong. so pathetic though. It wasn't cool. Like, we went to a house party, it was my mate's house party, so yeah. like we showed up early so that it wouldn't be dead when other people show up, so no other guests had even arrived yet. The beer hadn't even arrived yet. But we wanted, he had this new little kit, so we wanted to play. So the beer wasn't even there yet, so we played it with spirits instead. And because um, I'm a dab hand at ping pong, <laughs> I won my first game, but only just. Yeah. So I still drank five cups of this stuff. And then I lost the second game. So I had like nine cups, which were like half full with just straight vodka oh. and Cointreau and all this other stuff. And then I just sort of passed out before any other guests even arrived to this party. So then the next day, I just didn't know what planet I was on. <laughs> I was an absolute mess, and I had NGW in Hull when me and Sam Bailey were the tag champs, I think. We were at least up there anyway. Yeah. And it was me and Sam Bailey against Liguero and Dara Diablo in the main event of an over-18 show in a nightclub in a tag table match. <laughs> I threw up about eight times on the hard shoulder. Oh, <laughs> I my. couldn't eat. I was the most drunk I've ever been. It was a terrible. It almost put me off drinking. <laughs> but it, like when we got there, I was just a mess. I was just white. I couldn't eat anything at all. And oh, then when we my. were in a nightclub, so when we first, I was like, where are we wrestling again, guys? We walked in and there's just Jaeger bomb on the floor and the <laughs> smell knocked me sick and I had to run upstairs and puke. And then we went out oh, and did God. 35 minutes of tag table stuff. <laughs> Big power bombs off the top rope through tables. What a really good match. We brawled all around the venue. It was amazing. I just remember, like, I went through the table last. Mm. Went through the table. Huge pop. Match is over. And I was lying on there on the floor, and me and Sam were having a little word where no one could see, just laughing about how we actually got yeah. through it because he didn't think I was even going to make it out the curtain, let alone through 35 minutes. And then some girl from the side leant over and went, you're shit, and swilled me with a drink. And I had to run backstage and throw up again. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is amazing. Like I've seen, I've seen guys like, like again. It, it's, it's been hangover based quite a lot of the time. People just like and and people will. I think as well, people behave differently around me because everyone knows I don't drink. So I think you'll see people go, no, no, I'm not hungover. I'm like, guys, like I know I've not had a drink for twenty years, <laughs> but I've definitely had a few drinks in my time. Um, you are definitely hungover. 
it's fine. As long as you're not still drunk, that's my concern. I can smell old JD and vomit. <laughs> no, if you're still drunk, that's a concern because you're, you're putting your, your opponent's life in your hands. But if you're hungover, it's fine. Just maybe, you know, maybe have, maybe have something to eat and sober up before you go out there. You, are, you mentioned before, you are injured at the minute. Um, slightly. Yeah, just slightly. Like, I don't want to play. Plus, I'm, I pride myself on not being injured quite yeah. a lot. So this was really unfortunate. The worst bit is I was on offense. It was uh, Tombstone Lumblower. Mm. And uh, there was just a slight slip. It was on Lionheart. He's not a small lad. Yeah. His knee, it wasn't his fault at all. His knee came down just underneath my collarbone. And it was an actual impact which caused a minor tear, which is unusual for tears as well. Um, It's just because a friend of our, Joey Hayes, was out for a long time with Mm. a full tear, which started as a minor tear. I got told to rest it. Because I've been, like, religiously rehabbing it, I think I'm ready to go again. Yeah. They put me out for two weeks, which is fine. But that... And again, I will be protecting myself in what I need to do. It's going to be taped up and everything to look after it. But... um, See, I have this all the time in that I think... I don't know if other promoters are like this, but the minute I hear that someone's hurt, I mean, I messaged you. Yeah. I was like, you all right? And, and part of it is, does this affect our booking? <laughs> yeah. I'll be honest. <laughs> but the other part of it is, again, I pride myself on everyone who works for us is my friend, and I don't want anyone to miss out on earning money. So, you know, like, like I'm always the... When, when Lycos got yeah. hurt, I was one of the first people to message him and go, you all right? And, and I, I just... I hate the idea of anyone getting hurt yeah. because I hate the idea of anyone missing out on this great hot period yeah. that we've got at the minute. Well, I, t- I talked to the promoters. I was meant to be working for ICW and Rev Pro at that weekend. Mm. And so I didn't, I really didn't want to pull out. I hate pulling out. Yeah. But I messaged them and sort of spoke to them and said, this is what's happened. Mm. What should we do? Yeah. Because then they would be guilted to tell me to pass. But, I mean, at least you're telling people you're hurt. <laughs> yeah. Because the flip side of that in wrestling is the amount of people who don't yeah. tell you that you're hurt. I mean, to be normal, that, normal, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was, it was more yes than Reese than anyone else. Hmm. So um, Yeston obviously is a physio, and he just put the shit right up me when he was telling me about it. And so, yeah. and plus, it didn't take—he didn't have to examine me. I showed him a picture. He said that bruising is a tear. Yeah, because you, you sent me the do, you yeah. sent me the picture of it, and it was like it was like, oh, I don't look good. It's, yeah, it's really gone down because he also told me how to treat it. So I've had cold and hot therapy every day religiously in between so playing this Zelda. Is, <laughs> see, this, this is the thing: is there's there's quite often there's. There's people who, I think in, in wrestling, there's, there's different categories of people. There are people who, um, I don't want anyone to get hurt, but it happens. And there's people who get hurt and religiously rehab, like yourself. I know when Will Ospreay's got hurt, he, he does similar things. And then there's people who, who rehab a little bit, uh, but it, rehab's hard. Rehab's harder than wrestling. Um, uh, and, and then there's people who just go, eh, it'll be fine. <laughs> and, and I think it, it, it's... And not everyone's the same, and it doesn't, it doesn't mean anyone who chooses not to rehab is any worse than oh, anyone yeah. else. But it's, it's, the rehabbing thing is, is hard. Like, I've had knee injuries. I had a knee injury from I was marathon training. I got given stuff to do, and I was forgetting to do it every day and, and because it, it wasn't affecting me because I wasn't planning on running yeah. any other marathons as soon as I did my knee. Um, but I know that, I mean, it's, it, like you say, it's not, it's not easy rehabbing an injury. Even if you've only got to rehab it for a couple of weeks. Yeah. It's a lot of effort, isn't it? Well, like, I'll be wrestling before I'm going to the gym again. Yeah. Which kills me. I love training chest. <laughs> if you could be like a bodybuilder of just training chest, I would be the biggest fucking guy in the world. <laughs> and like, of all the muscles to tear, I tore my pec. <laughs> it's, um, what, 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 what do you avoid doing at the gym the most, if you can? Um, to be honest, it would probably be deadlifts. I'm really unflexible. Right. 
and um, traditional deadlifts because I'm six foot four. Well, I'm yeah. six three actually. That's a lie. I'm six three. I'm legit six. So three, WWE though. six six. So yeah, I'm seven. <laughs> I'm seven foot three. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm six foot three. Actually, flat footed. Yeah. But I'm all leg as yeah. well. So my, I've got long legs on top of that. So like traditional deadlift just doesn't work for me. So I have to do sumo deadlift. Mm. Um, and then I found out some techniques that were pushing the sumo deadlifts and then sure enough in the midst of like a load of shows I tried to beat my one rep on sumo deadlift and I sort of pushed my knee out a little bit yeah. so that's I'd say deadlift is just the one because it's so awkward for me generally speaking I don't mind the gym I, I don't well, you clearly don't mind it. if you go back and watch chapter one <laughs> and the difference in what you look like at chapter one to now, and I always find this fascinating with anyone anyone who's who's had a wrestling career for, for longer than a few years, everyone looks vastly different. Look at what most of your favourite indie stars look like when they, you know, when they first started. Or most of your favourite stars in WWE, yeah. when they're on the indies, what they look like and the difference. Um, I remember once someone sending me a video of, of um, the late Chris Travis wrestling, I want to say Martin Stone somewhere, when Chris must have been early 20s. And he was tiny. Yeah. Like, he was a stick. And I was like, and then you know, before before he got sick, obviously he was he was very much a body lad and look, you know looked amazing. And I remember thinking, oh yeah, that shit doesn't happen overnight. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the difference in guys like you, the difference in guys like Liguero and everyone like that from from five and a half years ago when we started, and it's down to dedication. It's consistency. Yeah, get in. I just treat it like I get there. Once you're there, you're yeah. there. So you might as well train while you're here. It's, do you know what? That, that's the best bit of advice anyone ever gave me about going to the gym because I. I'd never been to the gym until I ran a wrestling company. And then it was wrestlers going, Tommy End in particular, going, why don't you go to the gym? I was like, why? And he went, well, you're a fairly decent-sized lad. Why don't you just go to the gym? You'd be in shape. And I was like, oh. and he was right. I got in shape. And I lost loads of weight. Brilliant. <laughs> um, and, and I listened because wrestlers taught me how to eat better and everything. And I was like, oh, this is, this is brilliant. That's a good thing for me as well. I'm not a big foodie. I, I actually hate eating, to be honest. I get so bored of eating. I'd rather be doing other stuff. So, like playing Zelda exactly <laughs> eating <laughs> I'd rather I'd rather be cooking meals on a virtual game this is and this is the amazing own. thing you've just told me this like because most people who listen to this know how much of a video games nerd I am whereas you're not, no, not you've just bought a Nintendo Switch and are completely addicted to Zelda it's all new to me I don't know what's going on you have no concept of Zelda <laughs> no. until now which is mental <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, uh, I'm, how far in are you in Zelda? Oh. I've just finished it. <laughs> You've just finished it? But like... Oh, mate, you, you nailed it. Oh, I'm no <laughs> I can't train. Yeah, I've, I've finished a lot of it in these last two weeks because I can't train, I can't go to the gym. So I just sit there eating every two hours <laughs> and playing on Zelda and ignoring my girlfriend. I, <laughs> I imagine that the, the eating thing when you, you're trying to get a bit bigger and stuff like that, I, having seen... I think the, the first memory of this is watching Liguero just eating the same, realizing every time I saw him eating, he was eating the same stuff. And I'm, I mean, I'm a vegetarian, so I'm like, I'm not, my diet, my diet's not amazingly um, sort of interesting. It's not, but I've still got some variety in it, whereas I'm fairly sure you probably, every two hours you've got to eat boring. But I, see, that's the thing, because I'm not a big food fan anyway. I'll enjoy it. If I'm going out for a specific meal and we're getting a curry and it's on a night out, I will probably enjoy that. Yeah. Um, but generally, I'm not that fussed anyway. It's almost like a chore to go and eat. Yeah. So the trick for it, what I was told, and again, it's just really good advice for anyone that is interested, is just eat before you're hungry. Because when have you ever been starving? sat at home thinking I am so hungry do you know what I want to eat yeah. tuna straight from the tin yeah. get in no one thinks that you'll just go and get a big bar of galaxy or something and just 
stick that in your face. <laughs> but if you eat before you're hungry, you fill yeah. up before you get hungry. You know what I'm trying to say, don't you? Like, good. It always prevent, prevents you from being hungry, and you're then like you never... <laughs> um, I do coach. But you yeah, do? Uh, just to get back to that injury, like I said... I don't want to say I'm injured. I'm not injured. I'm just a little bit beat up and have yeah. to take some time. So Andy Quilden, Rev Pro, who runs a very like pro wrestling show, mm. very um, top match orientated, and obviously it's a hell of a show to be Absolutely. part of. Yeah, uh, I was wrestling, meant to be wrestling Timothy Thatcher. There was just no way around it. Like me and Tim have wrestled before. It's really physical. There's just nothing I could do, and mm. so he rightfully so just said like, you know, it's a long way away from you as well. The show's in Portsmouth. Do you want to just? leave this one I said yeah that's fine but that's the sign of a good promoter as well because Andy's yeah. a good promoter and a sign of a good promoter is someone going you know what have this, have this off yeah. like I, I'm you'll, you'll see me doing it. it like if someone's I've already said to you you know if, you're, if you can't work one of our shows you just tell me and we'll work around it yeah. and, and that's how I'll talk to everyone who's injured I'm, if someone gets injured I'm not going to go oh for fuck's sake you've ruined our plans I'm going to go no get better don't rush back. And don't ruin our future plans. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. like you, you can move stuff a couple of shows. Yeah. You can't, you know, likewise, if, if all of a sudden people's travel plans change or whatever, I can move stuff a couple of shows. I can't change an entire year's plan if you're out for a whole year. So, so. ICW on the warpath to fucking the Hydro, mm. Mark Dallas just said, well, you can still hype up our shows by coming and talking. Job's still there if you want it. I'm never going to turn one down like that, it could, especially when it works, though. Do you know, yeah, if Andy would have said, Do you want to come up and do a promo? I would have said, I don't know if that's going to work on you, if that's going to help your show in any yeah, way. Yeah. Whereas with ICW, it definitely would, so I still went up. We did the show in Sheffield, and then we did the show the next day in Bristol, and it was just promos both nights. But the Sheffield was on the Saturday, so that was the hangover of Hurricane Brian. Mm. We had our training here in the morning, and I got picked up straight from here by a lad Gareth and Tony Knox, who was photographed every other wrestling show under the sun, <laughs> and some that you'll have never heard about. Uh, us three were told to jump in together, so they came to pick us up. I took one look outside, it was just sheets of rain coming mm. down. And I had already said I might get in the backseat, lads, because I'm injured, and you know, I wanted to sleep. Yeah. And play Zelda. <laughs> Sleep on a wrestling road trip. Know, You're not allowed to do this. I'll be honest, it was Zelda. <laughs> um, and then I saw his little corset. And I thought, actually, Tony, get in the back. <laughs> I'll have the front. Um, it was just a, it was a nightmare. We're coming in sheets. So we left on time and Sheffield as well it's, you're going to go you're going to go down Snake Pass and Snake there, Pass, yeah. And like, to get to um, O2 Academy in, in Sheffield. Yeah. So we're heading to the O2 Academy. Rain. We had the car broke down within half an hour we had to just get out and just fix a few little bits and then it luckily it started up again then we got stuck in traffic then he had to because his car like we were basically flintstone in our way there <laughs> so <laughs> like that slowed us it's down cardio, it. <laughs> we had to slow down a little bit because of that then we get stuck in traffic again i think we missed one of our turns which put us out so even though we left with plenty of time with Brian against us and with all this other stuff, mm. we, we arrived at Sheffield sort of 15, 20 minutes late. And my segment was on third. Tony should have been taking pictures from the start. Yeah. So we're late. And we pulled into the car park and then we came out. And again, it was pissing it down. So we were just running through all these sheets of rain. Ran up to the venue and the security was outside. I've got my suitcase. And I was like, all right, mate, we're, we're here for the show, but I'm late. I just need to get in now. He said, oh, mate, I can't let you in at the minute. You know, I need to get a pass off you. I've got a suitcase full of wrestling boots here, and spandex. Like this is a, this is a hell of a play if I'm trying to sneak into this show. 
Tony has just got cameras and everything in the rain. We're like, we're obviously a part of the show. And he's like, guys, you know, I'm just doing my job. I can't let you in. And I, I basically, I just had enough, right? It was raining. I was getting a bit cranky. And I just, more or less just pushed past him. We just re-diverted over to the right. We could see this big metal fence that had been set up. And we just pulled it out of the way. <laughs> I say we. Tony Knox didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> I was like, get in, lads. We're going. <laughs> So we walked in and then we see a load of people stood outside smoking. But I was looking at them thinking, I thought that was the, the back entrance because yeah. I've not got my gigs on. Like, I never wear my glasses anyway. So um, I, I can see okay. It's yeah. not terrible. But like, when I got there, I was like, oh, you're not who I thought you were. And I went, where's the, where's the back entrance, guys? Which way is it? Another security guard. Oh, you're here for the show? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm on the show. Can you show me to the back? He went, yeah, it's this way. Pushed us into the hall and we were at a concert. <laughs> <laughs> So I just burst in. But it was like, I see, it wasn't, you know, they weren't setting up the concert. We weren't like mid-interval or yeah. anything like that. It was so surreal, like a bad American movie. Like we walked in <laughs> and they were mid-set playing. It was Real Big Fish. So Real Big Fish were playing. And we walked in and I was kind of like, is that Real Big Fish? This is weird. Like what's going on? So then I went up to the barmaid. I started kicking off her hair again, just because I've got me back up because we're late. I was like, what is going on? Where's the wrestling? She was going like, oh, I don't know what you mean. That's real big fish. I said, no, I know who they are. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know where the wrestling is. I'm assuming there's another room in the academy. She was going, oh, I don't know. I was like, well, there's only one fucking wrestling show. <laughs> Just point me in the direction of the wrestling show. And she's like, oh, I don't know. Maybe I can't hear you. I said, oh, fuck you. You're useless. <laughs> went, up, went up to another security guard. I was like, mate, ICW, wrestling. I've got my boots. I don't need a pass. Go and ask Duncan or Robin or anyone. I'm here for the wrestling. Where am I going for the wrestling? And then I looked at the dead look in his face and for the first time realised maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I was like... I just go, what are you on about? So I got my phone out and went on the ICW event page and just sank <laughs> into my knees... ICW, Sheffield, live at the plug. Ah. Because I did think this guy was talking to Chris Brooker about it because he went to the show. I said, was it in the same... Because we were at the academy. Because no, I thought it was at the academy. <laughs> so I was like, was it in the same place that we ran? And he went, no, it's a completely different room. I was like, oh. And I couldn't get my head around it. And now he's explained it. I would have gone to the wrong place. Because Real Big Fish booked it. Because Real Big <laughs> Who Fish. Who I did get to see for free, though. Yeah, I mean, you know. Um, so then we had to run around in the rain and run down the street. Like, the security guard on the way out. I mean, fire that security guard. If anyone knows the guys the O2 Sheffield. Do you know what the best bit is? I was just a mental, bald, scouse guy running with a bag whose only excuse was, I have spandex and boots. But is <laughs> and the wor- he let me into Real Big Fish. Here's the worrying thing. You're probably going to meet him again <laughs> in December for us. <laughs> yeah, probably like, mate, I've got a bag full of cymbals and drums here. Let me in. <laughs> I've got a load of I've got a load of sort of late nineties ska music. If you, if you fancy it. Um, now, the real reason we're gathered here today in this disused swimming pool um, in a suburb of Liverpool is because um, sometimes people appear on the podcast and 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 then people want to hear. We didn't get to the. We didn't get to talk about as much stuff as people wanted to hear. Um, bear in mind, we're already 34 minutes into this. Oh, I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of listeners 20 minutes in going like, I don't give a shit about tuna. <laughs> <laughs> the subtitle of this podcast is now, I don't give a shit about tuna. Um, so the last time we had a chat um, in your front room was, uh, we ended up talking about China and it became, um, in the, the early formative years of this podcast, 
Um, there are three interviews that everyone talks about. Uh, there's the William Regal one, there's the Trent Seven one, and there's your one. They're the three that everyone talks about. And, everyone, and at the end of that, you kind of went, we've barely even spoke about going to China. Um, so there's loads more I can tell you about going to China. And then people every month would go, when are you getting Zach Gibson back on to talk about China? Well, the answer is now. And what we've realized is, I've mentioned this before, Zach's probably going to be on every six months. We're just going to have a catch-up of all the shit that's happened to him in those previous six months and anything else he's remembered from going to China. Okay, that's what we're going to do. We're just going to have him on a rotating like, every six... We'll probably get him on a roundtable from time to time as well and just every six months just get him on. That's Sky will pick work. it up in a few years and animate it. <laughs> <laughs> so, the last time we talked, we talked about the first time you went to China... Now, you, the first time you went to China, you went on your own, which I think yeah. the thing was, was mind-blowing for me at the time, was how the fuck... How old were you when you went to China as well? Ah, uh, first time. 20... Uh, 21? To, to, be, to go to China on your own at 21, actually. I really don't know. <laughs> I, went, I went to Belgium this week, and I rang my dad on the morning of me coming home, and he went, what are you doing? I went, well, I'm, I've stayed at the promoter's house. I'm just walking from the promoter's house to the metro and then I'm just going to get a metro ticket, get on the metro, get back to the train station. He's like, well, the sign's in English. I'm like, no, they're all in French, mate, and Dutch. He's like, well, how do you, how do, you do that? And I'm like, well, I'm a 39-year-old man. I should, I should be able, I know it was hard, but I found my way around. But me at 39, I'm used now to going to different countries and looking after myself. Me at 21, absolutely fucking not. So, like, being there at 21, I think, is, is, is nuts enough on your own. But that wasn't, of course, we only discussed the first time you went. Do you know what? I might have been a bit older than 21, but I was, I was yeah. in my 20s. Yeah. The point of that trip was like, I just needed to be doing this stuff. I didn't yeah. want to plateau. I got offered the ch- chance to go to China for two months. I was supposed to be going with Sam Gradwell until he pulled out last minute because <laughs> he didn't want to lose his job at the time. He regrets that every yeah. day, he says all the time, because he loves China just as much as I do. Um, but I went there by myself just because I, I just survived somehow. I don't really know how. I pretty much fell. I think I said this last yeah. time. Pretty much just fell throughout the whole trip. But I went there, got involved in the culture a little bit, as you have to. Like, otherwise, Absolutely. what was I going to do? I, literally, I was there by myself in rural China. So a lot of people say, oh, I've been to Beijing. I was like, you weren't there. Well, <laughs> you the, weren't there. When, we went to Chongqing. Do you remember, we when Gaza, shit. Do you remember when Gaza signed for a Chinese football team? And everyone was like, oh, it'll be great because it's like Hong Kong. And, and people were like, no, no, he's signed for, he's signed for like... A very much provincial football team, the sort of place where you know there was a lot of pollution there, and you know, and um, and I think the culture shot. He was there about two weeks, and he just went fuck this, I'm coming home. <laughs> so, how long after trip one did you get asked back for trip two? Well, well this is the thing. Like, I was, go- I wanted to go straight back. So, the, the first trip, I made loads of Chinese friends, and just really got involved mm. in the whole place over there. Fully got into there. Really didn't want to come home. Just had a really good time, and then I got quite pally with the boss uh, he was like a bit of a strange guy but because I'd already heard stories I just loved him anyway <laughs> uh, he's, we call him drunken boss I think I've mentioned this before yes. but that's because that's what the lads from Hong Kong call him in this sort of broken English they just call him drunken boss and uh, we just didn't see any need to think of a better nickname because yeah. <laughs> he is he, they have this super super strong they call it wine it's not it's absinthe um, it's, it's not wine if you have to have it through like a pipette to survive because <laughs> they would have to have a drop of it at a time blows your head off and he'd drink a bottle and he'd just be out of his mind because he weighs about four stone <laughs> he'd be out of his mind every night and then the next day he'd be fine and then he'd just drink another one so oh, 
I made friends with him and he was saying, I mean, the main fault with the first tour, which is why I went for two months, but I really didn't get to wrestle half as regularly as you'd think, mm. um, is because there was just me and a couple of Chinese guys who weren't really ready to be on shows. Sure. One Chinese guy who I still kind of rate uh, called Gao Yen, I, I liked him, he looked after me. Me and him had some good little matches. So he said to me, we're going to organise a new tour and you're going to help me bring over the lads. So I just thought, you have no fucking idea what <laughs> you have just asked. <laughs> <laughs> but I also said I was there nodding away yeah yeah sensible it's sensible um, as well I think like 8 was their lucky number yeah in China like is a really yeah, big yeah. thing and I'm born on the 8th of August so oh wow the 8th, <laughs> the 8th which is why at a time when I was over there for a month I thought you know what I've got loads of friends over here mm. I'm the 8th of the 8th I'm like some god <laughs> maybe I am Chinese <laughs> I just didn't know so then I, but then I didn't hear anything he just went completely cold right didn't hear anything and then a couple of months later I get the call again from him but it's just all moving so quickly as they do over there he just goes I want to run a wrestling show when two weeks get me a team and because of how good I had put it over to a load of people luckily enough people were ready to jump on it Mm. so he had already had Sam over for the first tour so Gradwell was back in and wanted to actually go this time I was back in he asked me to help organise the talent and uh, Ho Holon from WWE Cruiserweight Classic he was one of the other guys helping organise it so he organised some guys from Hong Kong. I organised some guys from England. Um, I think we both got Pete done. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was like, he went, oh, I've got this guy Pete done. I was like, yes, I, I, I know Pete done. He's, <laughs> I am familiar with his work. <laughs> He's one of ours. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we all went. A couple of people pulled out last minute, which was probably for the best. Um, <laughs> JD has kicked himself ever since because he didn't come because he had uh, some like teaching thing at the time and it was like it was going to be his fallback mm. do you know what I mean and then he did it and then realised he didn't need a fallback and now he hates himself because he missed <laughs> out on maybe the most fun wrestling trip ever and we all went out so like I say you know, first time I went to China I was there for two months made a load of Chinese friends got immersed in the culture um, made a load of money came home yeah. second time I went there big group of lads did not get invaded in the culture. <laughs> did not make any friends. <laughs> and we had to leave the country after a month. <laughs> How long were you Without our two months. We got more or less... I mean, like, if we would have stayed for another day, we would have been illegal immigrants. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know if it's you told me this... It may have been Pete who told me this story, this whole... Explain the, the, the illegal immigrant thing. Cause... Well, just generally, I mean, I just want to sort of say before we go in there's still a lot of stories that I can't tell <laughs> until uh, until Statues the sort of, of like <laughs> the end of career tell all which I'll do <laughs> where I will bury everyone <laughs> you do realise the first thing we're going to get after this is people the people yeah, are going to be yeah. tweeting us going <laughs> tell enjoy all, the tell podcast <laughs> but tell us fucking tell us um, but uh, well basically when you go over there you get a, a, um, a visa for a month yeah and obviously, if you want to stay for another month, you have to go and get it renewed. So you have to go to the police station to get it renewed, which was one of the most terrifying parts of the first trip that I did. Mm. Because they took... I think the first time I went as well, though, I, I mean, I don't know, because I literally don't know what my visa was. I have no idea how official it was. Yeah. I have no idea, like, if the guy just drew a caricature of me and that just passed. And, and particularly <laughs> going through the border anyway, he said, this isn't you. I was like, no, no, it is. He went, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. good check. <laughs> yeah. Is this you? Yeah. All right. Then you're cool. So, like, you're meant to stay for a month, go to the police station, they renew it, as long as they can see that you can still be supported and whatever, mm. and they give you the second month. That's how it works. This time round, we went for the month, 
um, the boss forgot to renew. Nice. Uh, but you had like, so he sent us sort of like a couple of days before we had to leave the country. And then we weren't allowed to renew. So then we were supposed to go back to Hong Kong, renew there, come back. Um, but we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, I, I, I forget, it may have been you or it may have been someone else who told me that. It might have been Sam Gavala who told me that story. Um, but we'll come back to that. So, presumably, hopes were high that you were all going to make a ton of money and have a lovely time the on thing is, day one. When I say a ton of money as well, it's not, it's not ridiculous money. Um, but, but back then, I, I remember imagine. on paper as well, though, on paper it doesn't look good, yeah. which is why, I mean, generally I did just invite all of my friends anyway. <laughs> yeah, which is exactly, I know when, yeah. when people have said to me, oh, can you maybe organise like uh, comedy for a, a music festival, it's three days, and I'm like, who are my friends I can fill yeah. this up with? But generally, like, the boss had asked me for a couple of specific things, so he had said, like, I want a body guy, I want a flyer, yeah. I want a blonde girl, I want a brunette girl, this is just him, by the way, this yeah. is me, he asked for these yeah. things. I filled the quota with people who I liked. Yeah. Um, so we all just agreed to go out there. We had to travel through to... I said a couple of people pulled out, but it was just for the best. Yeah. We, you have to go to Hong Kong because they sort the visa in Hong Kong. Again, I, I don't know how official that is. I don't know how <laughs> right of me it is to say this on record. <laughs> but we basically... Oh, God, I just don't know what I'm allowed to say. I think you're probably all right. uh, The first night we got there, we decided to have a few drinks to celebrate. (laughs) (laughs) Successfully landing in Hong Kong. But um, obviously a couple of lads aren't really drinkers and they just sort of called it a night nice and early to get up because we had to get up at 8 o'clock in the morning Mm. to go and get our visas done. We're only in Hong Kong for three days. The visas take three days to process. Has to be done. Sam Gradwell is joking about how we don't need to do this because he's been to China before and he knows that we just do what we want. Like we make the rules. <laughs> we are the almighty. We make the rules. Uh, but I was like, no, but Sam, this is one of the exceptions. You know, like we have three days. And I couldn't tell if he was joking. Mm. I'll also just put in here that I like to think that the story of China, particularly Sam's journey, because <laughs> the day that Sam taps into his, his re- truly taps into his real personality is the day that he takes over wrestling. Well, I, I had a conversation with him in, in Norwich during the, the two days of the UK tapings this year where I like Sam and I went from knowing Sam and knowing that guys like yourself have always got good things to say about him to hearing a bit more of his real personality which is hilarious and brilliant like I was crying with laughter at stuff he was telling me so you are right so like I just feel like his journey over there is the proof that karma exists (laughs) (laughs) for every action there is just such an equal and opposite reaction (laughs) <laughs> but I remember anyway. We, he said we, me, him, and Juice stayed up drinking. Hmm. I tapped Juice out. Juice is CJ Banks. Oh yeah, CJ Banks. Yeah, yeah. not and, not uh, Hooven to Carrera because <laughs> that'd be a very different drinking <laughs> story. <laughs> but CJ Banks is also like not that I don't know if this is something to be proud of, but he is the best drinker I've ever seen. I've just <laughs> never seen someone like him. He's a machine. And um, so I tapped out when I started getting to that point where I thought I might struggle to wake up tomorrow. Yeah, I'm going to go to sleep. And we we're in. Um, uh, hostel, yeah, just for three days. Our hotel in China is real nice. The hotel in Hong Kong's a hostel. Yeah. We don't care. We're all together. Yeah. Um, him and Sam stay up and just finish the rest of the bottle of JD. Uh, Juice has about an hour sleep and wakes up somehow better than me. <laughs> like he'll go to. He went to sleep drunk. Obviously, had an hour's kip and was just fresher than anyone else on the team. Absolutely fine, raring to go, spring in his step. Sam, we couldn't wake up. <laughs> Physically couldn't wake him up. And we were shaking him and punching him and hitting him. And we, to the point where after 20 minutes of trying, we, I mean, do we leave him? 
we did check his pulse as well. <laughs> <laughs> and then there is that weird thing where you're yeah. trying to wake someone up where you're like, after a while of like, oh, God's sake, wake up. You have that horrible panic of, oh, hang on. Are they dead? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and then he woke up and he wasn't hungover. He was just still drunk. Oh, it was just bad. He, was, he didn't know where he was. He will obviously regret this at this point. We have plenty of videos. <laughs> like, he did, like he couldn't see. He couldn't adjust his sight. We were literally arms around the shoulders. We were trying to carry him. And this um, is a good look when you're off to get a visa, isn't it? Yeah. And he, like we we have to go to the subway, which is <laughs> Hong Kong is just as stereotypical as you'd imagine. It is absolutely packed. And it's just this big jacked white guy yeah. like, falling down the stairs and then just sort of <laughs> making a show of himself. Uh, he was just drunk. We were all having fun. Um, I'll save some there for next time. <laughs> and then when we got to the actual place where we had to get it, it was just in this big multi-story place. We had to go up, get our visas done. It was just some fucking guy's bedroom. <laughs> we just... <laughs> They were like, oh, visa office. I said, no, you've just wrote visa office on the window of your bedroom. <laughs> this doesn't count. <laughs> and we went in and um, Sam Gradwell is, bless him, is fucked. He's mortal. He just doesn't know what planet he's on. He thinks he's back in Blackpool. Like, he has no idea where he is. But he's got a T-shirt on, a white T-shirt. Mm. <laughs> and like, it's covered in sweat because it is so ridiculously hot there as well. The rest of us are wearing vests. Mm. We're all covered in sweat. Yeah. Um, the only problem that this visa guy had with was that Tim Wiley's tattoos were on show. He went, oh, no, uh, businessman, no tattoos. You're like, okay, but the vests are okay. Yeah. <laughs> the absolutely mortal drunk <laughs> Pissed Sam Gradwell, that's fine. So he's allowed to be cross-eyed in the video, in the picture even. But Tim Wiley can't have two tribal tattoos here, so he had to borrow someone's T-shirt to get them. Oh, this, and obviously I remember, like, you know, my dad telling me advice, you know, just keep your passport on you. First thing we do when we get to Hong Kong, passports, lads, here we go. <laughs> Pass them to this guy in his bedroom. He doodles on them for a bit. We go off for three days come back we've got some sort of stamp in there and again I just I don't I don't know what happened I don't know how many imposter Jack Rays there are running around in Hong Kong right now either way he got our visa sorted and that's just day, that's day one you know we I kind of knew it was going to go this way I feel really sorry for uh, Becky Alexis Rose mm. Now Mrs. Gallagher. Yes. Because she was there with us, and this was while she, no one else had came, so Pollyanna did end up joining us on the tour. Yes. It was originally meant to be Katie Lee, she couldn't make it. Polly oh. was already over for... And also, I think Polly's got family in Hong Kong. Hong Kong, she? So, so she was literally already there. Yeah. She knew Ho-Ho, it made sense. Yeah. She came over. Um, but Becky was just the sole girl for three days in Hong Kong, <laughs> and just three days of just... <laughs> Of lads just being let loose. It was a big lads holiday, and then Becky was there. <laughs> she was gutted. She probably, I think she'll tell everyone anyway. She tells me enough. She hated us <laughs> those few days. I had to be like peacekeeper between the two, but um, no, it was fun. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 
36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And then we got to China. So you have to go... On a bus, I think I mentioned this last time quickly, actually, so I won't like dwell on it too much. But you go bus to Shenzhen, yeah. and then internal flight from Shenzhen to Chongqing, yeah. which again, like, if you want to talk about omens and everything that was going on, we were on that flight. Me and Tim Wiley are like record sleepers, the two of us. Tim, Tim's better than me. He's ranked number one. You can just sleep <laughs> anywhere at any time. But um, I think it's like I, I don't. I've now found I think it's one of my body's defense mechanisms yeah. because we were on this little rickety plane. Me and Tim went straight to sleep. Um, and then I, I just woke up halfway through the flight and all the lights had gone out. It was shaking <coughs> like a shitting dog. It was just rattling everywhere. The, the emergency lights ran up on the bottom and uh, I think only one or two, but a couple of the things had fell down. Oh, God. And I saw that happening and just went straight back to sleep. <laughs> and my body just put me away again. And when I woke up, I was like, oh, we're on the ground big old stretch looked and everyone was just sat pointing perfectly straight head perfectly straight sat up rigid straight back in the chairs and I had to go to I think it was actually like Juice who I sat next to I had to go to him you know I, did I dream that this plane had some turbulence he was like nope no we had turbulence <laughs> Tim Wiley didn't wake up at all <laughs> but like, yeah like the actual plane itself just fell to Chong Sing oh, it was just God. terrible but they apparently the Chinese people there this is this is just every day to them. They're so used to it. It's just a different. It's a completely different world. They just did not care. They have no fear at all. <laughs> um, and when we got there, we like met all the guys. We met the ho- we went to the hotel. Um, so we were staying in it. Basically, this, this just shows how mental it. We got there. We start talking to them. The boss comes up and gives us a big hug, which is so surreal and just mm. fun and everything. We just loved being there. He took us for a big meal. Where again, we just sort of ate these little scraps of chicken off little tiny bits of bone. They're like, ah, the rest of us have got the chicken, they're happy now. The second we finished, we all went for food. (laughs) It just doesn't touch the sides. But we introduced him, he introduced us to the main sponsor who was fronting this whole thing. So we took us, so it's a big hotel, and that's where we're staying. We're two to a room, but we all have a big double bed. Really nice rooms, actually. Big double bed each, loads of room. And so we said, okay, cool. And where are we doing the shows? He's like, well, we're selling the shows to other people, but every more or less every day as long as you guys are fit you're going to be wrestling in the lobby of the hotel what so we were like <laughs> uh, we were like oh okay do you want to show us it he's like yeah cool so we came in 
It was just, it was a really nice hotel. Yeah. And there was just a big, it was just a lobby with a big massive fountain with a big swan and goldfish swimming <laughs> on three different layers of the fountain. And we were saying like, and where are we wrestling? He was like, in here. It was only small, and we kind of knew that anyway. I asked, I'd asked him, like, are we doing arenas and stuff? He had said, we're, go, we're talking to them. Yeah. But, like, we're just putting that together. For now, this is where we're starting, though, because you're here for two months. This is where we're starting. And um, they, they chose to aim it towards, like, the upper class. Yeah. It was really weird. So rather than aiming for a load of people paying buttons, they were aiming for a few people paying high money. Yeah, yeah. And they didn't know what wrestling was, like... This is rural China. They don't see many Western it's, people. It's, it's a lot about how wrestling structures in Japan as well. Yeah. Designed at the rich. They don't see Western people, let alone Western people with muscles, let alone Western people with muscles throwing each other around the wrestling ring. Yeah. So he was like, that's what we're aiming for. I was like, okay, if you insist. I mean, we're getting paid anyway. This will be a laugh. We, so we're staying there. And we're wrestling there. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, yeah. I was like, and do we wrestle on the fountain? <laughs> he was like, no, no, no. You'll, you'll see tomorrow. I was like, okay. And, uh, and what's through there? And so attached to the hotel as well was KTV, which right. I think I've mentioned before is one of the big things in China. Mm. It's just karaoke, but you don't do karaoke to a room full of drunks. You and your mates go into a little private room and you just do karaoke for each other. <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> but they, they love it. You get like say, like say <laughs> hand and foot. So straight away, first day, we were like, oh, well, this is cool. I mean, we've got like party place here, mm. hotel there. We're going to be wrestling here. Like we literally don't even need to leave the hotel. Yeah. We had all the restaurants that we liked eating at outside. So we were like, we will move, but we don't really yeah, need, don't need to. to. It's easy. And then they taught us uh, Piju, which is beer. Right. So all we had, we didn't, you don't say please or thank you in Chinese. It's really awkward. I asked them what the word is. They do have a word. Mm. I can't remember it now because they said, don't, you don't need to say that. We don't say that. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 but I'm English. Like, I, I have, have to, to say, say that. that. I also need to know what sorry is. Yeah. <laughs> if you could tell me what sorry is. <laughs> and they were like, no, 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 we don't. They just, so you didn't have to say, oh, can I have a beer, please? Mm. You, we just said beer. And that wasn't like because we couldn't speak the language. They no. were like, no, 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 that's what we say. <laughs> and they would just bring us free crates of beer every single night. Unlimited free crates of beer. Oh, good God. <laughs> On the first night, we just had, again, we just sort of like, right, let's celebrate. Now we're at the next place. This is going to be awesome. Um, we just went round. Every time we'd like poke our head into one of the KTV rooms, there'd be new businessmen in there. They'd see Westerners and they'd just go, oh, come in, come in. So <laughs> then they were like buying us drinks and everything. We were, well, I say buying, we had free drinks anyway, but it was just kind of cool. <laughs> so we were just like drinking with them. And the second we got bored of one of the rooms, we'd just go and knock next door. <laughs> but we were doing it like, oh, sorry, I thought you were my friend, sorry. And then just before you'd leave, you'd hear them go, no, come back <laughs> And then we'd go party with them for a bit. Um, these like gorgeous Chinese girls dancing everywhere and these all these fellas all having a laugh with us. And we were just like, this is going to be sweet. We only later found out that it was a hotel, wrestling in the lobby, KTV, and a brothel. (laughs) 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 So so these girls, (laughs) some of our boys were like, God, I feel like a god amongst men. We look back at the pictures. And this, we shouldn't really laugh about this. I know this is bad, but it's just just to say how surreal this was. Yeah, like man. to have what you thought was one night, and then to wake up the next day, look back at some pictures, and realize that the girls more or less have like price tags on their dress. Oh, mate. It was nuts. It was absolutely nuts. But also, as well, is if if you're not realizing that you're in that situation, like. It's, it's that weird thing of everyone loves us. Everyone's yeah. loads of But to be fair though, everyone did love us. <laughs> let's not, let's not but, buy five that. It is, it is that. 
is this weird thing of you go from this is amazing to going oh this isn't quite yeah. how I wanted it to be. Um, none, none of the lads are like that anyway. But, no, no, absolutely. Do you know what I mean? It was just surreal to find that. Like mm. in the end, we like a couple of weeks down the line, they just sort of come and sit with us for a break. I think. Yeah. From their clients, because <laughs> we. I mean, there's um. People always say that wrestlers and strippers get on. It's just, we're in the same thing, aren't we? We just, obviously, there are some differences and some similarities. But we go out there and we do our thing and, yeah. and people and, and objectify that, us. And yeah, it's, it's just part of the job, so I guess it's in a lot well, of ways. I suppose, I suppose as well, if you think about it from the point of view, like you say, if, if there's the fascination with yeah. the fact that you guys are Westerners and you're well-built and you're throwing each other around, there is an element of curiosity and fetishization of what you're doing by you being in such a different environment, yeah. which I think people don't always necessarily put two and two together with. Yeah, I just wanted to say that for the sheer fact of like, what is going on? This is day one. <laughs> this, is like, this is the norm. So we'd be like, guys, you can't fucking do that. And there was no, there was no change in the mind. Yeah. Absolutely no change in the mind. Because we found out that pretty much every single business also doubles as a brothel in China. At least in the area where we were staying. I Joe, I don't want to necessarily say that it was like everywhere, but in There's the someone listening to this, in, I know, yeah. in Shanghai, going, we've got legitimate offices. <laughs> but in the area where we were, particularly our strip, everything, everything. It would be wow. like we sell chicken and we sell this. <laughs> we, we sell TVs and we sell this. It was just, everything was like that. Oh Jesus, this is how it's going to be. Came down the next day after looking at the pictures, thinking, like, this is a bit mad. Walked into the lobby. There was just a 72-year-old woman smashing the shit out of the fountain with a hammer. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't even even move the goldfish. Just around the goldfish. Just smashing it. And And there was, like, two guys. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they weren't particularly built. And they were just watching her. <laughs> like, guys, do you want to help out? Like, it's just unbelievable. We couldn't believe it. Like, me and Pete Dunn had sort of took the reins on <coughs> being the responsible ones. Yeah. Obviously, we'd still, like, get involved with the lads. But then other day, like, we wanted... We realised that, like, if we don't do something, I think it may just never happen. Yeah. We may never wrestle on this tour. Yes. So we need to take the reins, at least, and make sure that the ring gets set up and mm. they do this. They were fitting lights around the top, which looked quite professional. And just battering this fucking fountain we just couldn't believe it we asked the guy we're like so you are serious you are just going to smash this fountain out of the way and um, he would in broken English say something so he had to sort of use a translator yeah. on his phone so he wrote out this message and showed us it on his phone it just said uh, we, are, we make room for battle table <laughs> <laughs> so we are please call your autobiography that we make room for battle table I might have to call a programme back for that <laughs> so we were like okay cool um, we're going to go and eat <laughs> and basically everyday life on this tour is wake up at about three yeah. something like that because then we had missed the midday heat as well though yeah. the first time I was there I just suffered so much mm. in the heat this time round, I didn't see the sun <laughs> not once <laughs> so we'd just get up at about three we'd go to CSC which I spoke about before yes, you amazing have. restaurant then we'd just probably just sit there or maybe go to the gym. So we had a gym membership. You'd have to get a taxi. It would take an hour in the taxi. Yeah. Um, whilst a fucking... I mean, that would cost you buttons. Yeah. Um, 
whilst Sam Gradwell would dance aggressively to Hulk Hogan's theme song, <laughs> whilst a confused taxi driver does not know what's going on, and people are just walking in front of the cars. Like if, yeah. if there's a three-lane-wide road, they will guarantee there'll be five cars at all times. Like, it's just ridiculous. Like we could probably walk to the gym faster than drive. It was just easier still yeah. to drive. We go to the gym there, and then we just come back, go to KFC. KFC in China is legitimately better than the UK. It's really nice. Mm-hmm. Then we just go to CSC again, then KFC, and then we get two takeaways <laughs> to take home and eat again later. <laughs> then we go to Jifang Bay, which is like the only strip of dan- uh, like nightclubs and yeah. bars and stuff. I say strip, there was like three. Yeah. We'd go there. That's where like any Westerners would sort of linger. So us and maybe two others, <laughs> some weird guy from Amsterdam. <laughs> and that's where we would go. So we sort of just left them to it. And then when we came back that night, we walked in. It was just such a sad sight. Like, the old woman's still there. She's just sort of sat there giving up smoking. <laughs> the two fellas obviously haven't helped. Half of the fountain is gone. <clears throat> and, but there's still the huge base yeah. with, like floating now goldfish <laughs> and we were like oh, okay um, are you just going to finish that tomorrow and she went nah <laughs> and basically the next day they translated for us just we got this far we don't want to do anymore just put the ring over it <laughs> so then the next day's challenge was okay let's set up this ring that they've bought we had no idea where this mm. was ho ho sorted it though so luckily it was actually a pro wrestling yeah. ring uh, me and Pete Dunn took the reins because we were like at first Everyone was sort of like, no, fuck this, we don't want to do it. Like, we just want to go and have fun. I was like, no, I get that, but like, we might not get to wrestle and then we don't get paid. Yeah. And then, you know, so someone's got to do it. Yes. Or it just simply doesn't happen. And then it's that game of chicken where everyone sits there to see who's going to do it. Yeah. And then that stupid bit inside me goes, fine, I'll do it. <laughs> um, and then Pete, obviously, me and Pete started setting it up. But in that little deliberation whilst we were doing this, some of the lads from like Hong Kong and China had already started putting it up. And it was kind of that that made us go like, oh, geez, no, we need to step in because we could see them struggling. Yeah. I was like, oh, God, let's go and help. And I go up and like, you, put, you slot the certain gates together and you slot the certain bars together. I just couldn't believe how wrong it was. And me and Pete were like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, I know that you guys are Chinese. I know that we are English and our languages differ. But the number one is pretty universal. (laughs) Put that next to the other number one. Put this number two. Even if you don't understand what that symbol means, just match the symbols. Why is this number one getting wedged into a number eight? (laughs) What are you doing? Um, So we took over that. We set it all up. It took us ages. We got the padding down. They give us this canvas, which was like a tablecloth. (laughs) But we put that on. We're like, guys, get a new canvas. These are the ropes. Cool. These ropes are made for like a fucking 40-foot wrestling ring. These are clearly too long. So tomorrow, Joe, we're giving the guy instruction. Tomorrow, yeah. you, snip, ropes, fit. Okay, perfect. And then we went, and where are the turnbuckles? So when you have a language barrier and you have to say, where's my hat? Yeah. Point hat. Where's my hat? Yeah. Oh, here it is. Um, I want a drink. Yeah. You have to do that universal symbol for drink. Turnbuckle? Anyone got a anyone got a turnbuckle? So that was interesting. <laughs> like, what do you mean, battle table complete? <laughs> no, we need we need turnbuckle. And then we had me and Pete had to get in, pick up the ropes to like where they should be. We looked at them and they went, yes, thumbs up. And then we let go of the ropes and let them drop. And they went, oh. <laughs> we see connection. Luckily enough, Pete's brand defending the wrestling, this symbol. 
is the turnbuckle. Of course, we yes. But we all had merch with us, so we ran and got it. I think, actually, I might have already been wearing the vest, which was an oversight yeah. on my part. I basically, like, unzipped my hoodie and went, oh, yeah, this. <laughs> he went, turnbuckle. He went, oh, okay. I was like, right, so. He went, tomorrow, you two meet us in lobby. We go and get the turnbuckle. Like, not a chance. Some of the stuff that I asked, we, we were just humoring them at yeah. this point. We were like, guys, the show might not go on. We might have to wrestle sumo style on this ring because <laughs> these guys who are calling a pro wrestling ring a battle table, who were like, we asked for, we asked for chicken. They brought us these, like, little, fucking, like, pork scratching things. Yeah. You asked them, like, oh, where's, you know, Where's the nearest supermarket? They just send you to the wrong place. Like, now we're asking them for a term buckle. <laughs> How are we going to find this? So we had no aspirations whatsoever to find this at all. But me and Pete, again, we got up early. We did the responsible thing. We went and got in the taxi with this guy. We drove for about an hour in one direction before they spoke in Chinese and completely U-turned and drove back the other way. We got, oh, no. We drove off in a zigzag somewhere until they stopped at the side of the road, talked, Asked to see my vest again. <laughs> I was like, you're not, you're not going to find the fucking thing on a street sign. <laughs> I'm wearing a different vest. Yeah. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so me and Pete give up. Yeah. Absolutely give up. We were just talking amongst ourselves about like, how can we work around this? I think we were booking the first show. I was, I was asked to sort of put the matches together. So I was just asking his opinion. How should we do this for a new audience? Am I overthinking this? <laughs> Should we just walk out and take the piss and <laughs> see what happens? And then, um, here we are, guys. Open the door. Turnbuckle Street. I absolutely shit you not. It was the most surreal thing I have the ever seen in my life. It wasn't called Turnbuckle Street, <laughs> but it was a full street. Ten, at least ten shops on either side of the road. And all they sold was turnbuckles. Nothing else. How? How? <laughs> All competing with each other with the exact same stock and prices. Had they just been waiting for you to visit? <laughs> oh, it was so strange. It was so odd. But they had like paperclip sized turnbuckles right up to like human sized turnbuckle. Just every turnbuckle imaginary, every extra like hook and link you can think of, every single turnbuckle under the sun on Turnbuckle Street. That is amazing. <laughs> Me and Pete went through, could not believe it. Absolutely could not believe it. It makes you think what other specialised streets there are. We're well, like, this place is, is beautiful. To a wrestling fan. <laughs> to some, anyone that likes wrestling. Just see, some, I always say this when you show up at a wrestling show and someone has trust. Yeah. There's just that, it's something about you, isn't it? If you've liked wrestling your whole life, you see trust. You just get excited and I don't know what it is. <laughs> show up at a building site and see trust. And I'll be like, oh, fucking sick entrance. Sorry, that, lads. <laughs> um, so when we show up there... And we see all these turnbuckles. We were just like, what is this place? It's magical until some fella like kicked his dog. Oh, oh no, I remember oh, where you we are. The mood down. <laughs> that happens quite a lot. I only bring that up because I just love this idea of Pete just storming towards this guy. It didn't need any translation from to know, oh, I've kicked a dog and he doesn't like that. I'm just going to mm. run away. <laughs> Yeah, don't do any... One of, one of Britain's premier animal lovers is Pete. Uh, so we got our turnbuckles and we came home. And then we tried to tell this to all the lads who, again, were just like, you're lying, really, lads. I mean, we've got 20 turnbuckles. <laughs> we're the... We've got more turnbuckles than we will ever need. <laughs> we, got, we had 20 and they had plenty more stock. <laughs> like, we... If anyone wants to send any on. <laughs> God, honestly, unbelievable. 
So we fixed the ring. I remember as well, just like the same, you know, when they were, we got back with all these turnbuckles, excited to tell mm. the lads about our new find, just to find the old woman shortening the ropes again with a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> Sparks flying in her face. She didn't give a shit. She was just cracking on. So we fixed that, organised the first show, and then sure enough, it was just like smallish crowd mm. of businessmen and their partners from the brothel. <laughs> Just, that was it that was our audience <laughs> it was nuts and like we came out to our, mu- to our music would hit and they would just sort of be like is this the show I don't know we had a compare who was doing stuff and they've got no frame of reference uh, no frame of reference this is so like, you can't expect people to react uh, in a certain way when they've got no frame of reference we, would, to we told all the lads because like some of the lads from Hong Kong wanted to do a very Japanese style they've had some zero one train in there mm. but we took the reins and we were like guys you don't do anything. Do a camp show. They don't know what's what. Yeah. So just do anything. Like this was fresh off the back of me breaking my finger as well. So like I still had my hand taped up. Yeah. Um, and I was just only bumping on one side. Um, just to get away from my injury. Mm. So you know we just had to do this show and so we put it together. People had music. That you'd walk out to your music. The fan they would just look at you, just as if it was a catwalk. They don't know what is going on. We would wrestle. Like you'd take a bump. They would react. You'd do a submission, they wouldn't know what was going on. Yeah. You'd smack them in the chest, they would react. You just did not know what was going on. The best bit was, though, like, so the, like, the only Chinese wrestler on the whole show, actually Chinese, though, from rural China, um, Gao Yen, he wanted to be a heel, and we tried to tell him, but then at the same time, we were like, guys, does this really matter? <laughs> if he wants to be a heel, let him be a heel. <laughs> so we went out to the heel <coughs> and thought the best way to get heat is to chant Chong Sing. So I was, I, was look, I was actually in the match with him. It was a tag match. It was me and Sam Gradwell tagging against him and I think Greg. I'm just going to call him Greg. He doesn't deserve a second name. He knows why. He's just such a tit. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, nah, Greg, Greg's boss, but like he's, he just already lived in China. Yeah. He had done one of the original tours because he already lived in China yeah. and had done a bit of wrestling over here as voodoo. He does the sci-fi, science fiction. I don't know if you've ever seen them. He does those videos. They're pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and he just already lived over there. The boss had specifically told him he could never wrestle for him again. He just showed up. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, all right, Greg, do you want to wrestle with us? Yep, cool. And he just stayed with us. He literally <laughs> just stayed in the room with Sam, even though he was never meant to be there. So that was the first match. It was him and Gao against us two. Gao started doing that, so me and Sam were like, well, I guess we're the villains then. <laughs> we got on with that. They're chanting for him like, Chong Sing, Chong Sing, Chong Sing. He hits his big move. One, two, three. They don't know what that means. <laughs> they don't know that that's how the match ends. So then the music would hit and they'd all go, uh, okay. I give that nine out of ten. Like they don't know what wrestling is. They have no idea. One of my favorite things. I mean, this is like this isn't going linear now. We're just yeah. riffing with stuff. But one of my favorite moments, and I, I this isn't really. <laughs> I just love it. Pete was wrestling um, this guy called Seki from Hong Kong, and they were actually having like a brilliant little match. Seki had a bit of fire about him, and he was quite basic. Because he had this fire, it just fed perfectly into Pete's stuff. And we were all watching it going like, all right, lads, this is quite good, this. <laughs> and they were fighting, and it was still real simple. Like, you're talking two or three big moves, and that's it. Mm. Pete hit the bitter end. Boom! Music hit. <laughs> I just, I just lights went off. <laughs> and that was it. And he, said, he was 
what? And all the crowd went, oh, and started clapping, <laughs> acknowledging him as the winner. <laughs> and then the ring announcer just went like, here's your winner. <laughs> After a bit of confusion anyway yeah. with him, the ring announcer then just announced him as the winner. So it are, the only explanation for that is the guy on the music, Pete hit this finish, and he just went, oh, it's over, lads. <laughs> he's done, <laughs> knockout. We don't need to, there's, he's it's not done. Like on the old SmackDown 2 games, where <laughs> randomly you'd hit like your third last ride, and it would just go KO. Yeah. You just bitter end, boom, music hits. <laughs> you should have that more, especially with lights out <laughs> yeah. as well. Boom, no, all lights gone, finished. Oh, but obviously Pete comes back and he's like, what the fuck are we like, mate? I, I don't think it could have been better. <laughs> if you did the three, they weren't going to react because they don't, no matter how hard we try. Um, so did you, did the, in your month that you were there, did the matches stay just in the hotel lobby or did you, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't I, move I went to plenty of meetings and we did set up a big arena tour mm. not arena tour like a big arena show and then another show which was going to be big but it was going to be at some like construction site launch so where they were going to build a whole new residency right. we were going to be at the launch event which was going to have thousands there and mm. um, they it's a bit like me doing a corporate this though isn't it <laughs> they were like, I'm getting like chills from it because I'd think of all the <laughs> shit corporates I've done in my career they took me and Tim Wiley to negotiate the deal we didn't speak we just stood there and they just presented us <laughs> And then these businessmen who were in charge of this, like, obviously multi-million pounds residential area just would come in and just, like, Joe, coming in their suits and everything, like, okay, nice to meet you. And like, whoa, look at these lads. <laughs> look at this. <laughs> Get a picture with these freaks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they were scheduled for after we got kicked out of the country. So oh. <laughs> that never happened. Uh, just quit. Like, still people sitting waiting. <laughs> Our gym that we went to, I, just to give like a bit of a frame, every so often you see, we'd start going, do you know what? I like it here. Like, I'd said this anyway. I'm like, do you know, guys, I actually like it here. I know we take the piss and we're having a laugh and that, but I, I like it here. It's actually fun. <laughs> and then just when you go like, and I guess it's not that different. I mean, we go to the gym. It's a bit busier on the roads. Again. Do you know when you try? Like, <laughs> we just walk to food. If you look around, like, oh no, there's a kid having a shit in a bin. <laughs> 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 Mums, like, because I, I think I mentioned this before, like, the kids just wear little arseless chaps, like yeah, little yeah, cowboys. Yeah, it's been, it's, it's a thing, it's, it's, it's kind of, so yeah. they just walk and then they'll just squat and they'll just shit on the floor and the parents, like, a little doggy bag will just pick it up and, and put it in the bin. And obviously now, so, like, we just saw a couple of people just thinking, like, why, why take the shit to the bin when I could take the, <laughs> just, like, take the baby straight direct so like when the kid would give a bit of an iggy like it's gonna go they just pick it up hold it over the bin it's just shit all over the bin like oh, it's not normal is it lads <laughs> we um i want to tell does it, does it, oh, so, there's so much i want to say and i'm just so aware of how late so, it is <laughs> so we've got still got time right fuck it i have to get up in the morning anyway. so the best bit is is so John, who works for Distraction Pieces Network, does a little, um, makes a little video with a bit of audio in that's like, is like the, one of the highlights of the podcast. I'm genuinely excited to see which ones he puts out <laughs> for this. This is so much ridiculousness already. I'd like to quickly touch on Sam Gradwell and the scientific evidence that karma exists. Yes, go for it. <laughs> Again, like, I'll just, it's, <laughs> it's a different reality honestly it's not like a different country it's a different if yeah. any any rick and morty fans like it's a different reality you're stepping through a, a portal into a different world um 
But it's just so... F- I, I, the thing why I laugh and I always take the piss out of him is just because he's just living proof that karma exists. Yeah. Like, I'm just trying to think of some examples. So, Chinese people don't like queuing. Yeah. They just don't know what a queue is. They, yeah. they do not queue. We would go into KFC and they would just start pushing in front of us. And as a British person, you know how infuriating Yeah, is. absolutely. So, obviously, we would have to stop them. Like, no... Like, we're not doing anything wrong here, but you are not pushing in front of us. One, we could literally crush you with one hand. <laughs> like, how did you even think this was going to fly? How did you think this was going to work out? Yeah. No, get behind. We had to teach them how to queue. <laughs> we would consistently walk in. And even if they were ahead of us, like, every sort, we'd walk in and be like, lads, we're not having this. <laughs> you turn around, what are you doing? We're going, look, no, you, stand here. You, stand here. We put them in a queue. And we go, now queue, pay for your goods. And then next person comes in. And um, I remember there was just one of these occasions, so they were taking age, like me and Tim Wiley had figured out the system of getting the menu, pointing to the menu, they bring us a paper one, we point to it on there. Mm. Sam had trouble showing them it because he wanted something specific. Yeah. We had tried to teach him the Chinese, he murdered the Chinese language, so he was just pointing harder at this thing. Oh, so he's doing the equivalent of what most British people yeah. do overseas, which is speaking slower and louder. Yeah. But not even speaking, but just pointing with more vigour than before. Yeah. But like I say, because there are no rules for us, yeah. absolutely no rules over there, you can't help but sometimes get a little bit carried away. So Sam's got, he's pointing at these things and they're going like, no, I, I don't understand. And he was like, right, that's it. So he just vaulted the counter. <laughs> and he going, no, sir, you cannot. And he just went back and he just served himself. <laughs> he just made his own food, put it all on his tray, brought it back over, filled himself up a drink, put it on his tray, put it down on the counter, vaulted back over, took his money out, put it on the counter, and went, I want this, here's my money. And we were just laughing our heads off, obviously. Like, we're going like, Sam, you shouldn't do that, whilst also laughing our heads off. <laughs> Paid for all of his goods. He yeah. just... And so, like, one of the, I remember, like, another time we'd go in and one of the fellas would be like, that worked in there, would just go to Sam. Come on. <laughs> Sam would go around, get his own food, pay. But then there was another time where there was a girl who didn't like it. So we'd go in and she'd sort of, like, see Sam and be like, <laughs> as if she's going to, like, stop him. <laughs> she'd squat, arms out at the side of her. Like, she's going to block him. And obviously all that does is GMO. Yeah. You'd see this evil little smile come on the side of his face and be like, oh, God, here we go. And he'd run down and like like gladiators, like jockey position with her, and then vault over the counter and go and get his food. <laughs> and then come back, and she clearly didn't like it. But he still paid. He got his food, we left away, no one's being hurt. And then one of the days he comes in, he sees her again. She drops into like full guard position, yeah. shadow at the front of gladiators. <laughs> and um, Sam looks at us and we're like, oh God, it's our fault again, we're Gina on. So then he starts running to get her. But she's got a really good block on this time. Yeah. Like she's, He's going to struggle with this. There's other customers in the way. So he tries to change pace to just dart around the counter instead. Slips on the wet floor that he missed. Goes <laughs> sliding into the corner and just whacks his knee into the corner. His injured knee, which he's oh, hit in the past. Split his knee open. <laughs> blood <laughs> everywhere. Just proof the karma exists. Every act equal and opposite. Although then he did. You've seen that scene from Ace Ventura. Where he gets the arrow in the knee. Yeah. It was basically like a really surreal remake of that, where Sam isn't actually that hurt, but he's just lying on the floor screaming, <laughs> like, just to distract as many people who are eating the KFC as possible. Um, oh, God. We, at our gym, we used to go, they had a swimming baths as well, which was not clean, but we just really wanted to swim. Yeah. And like, 
bear in mind that in China, it's common practice if you have a blocked throat to just clear it and spit on the floor. Yep. Yep. I've had friends who've been there at dominance. meals. And it's not that unusual in quite a lot of countries. So. Oh, it's rancid though, isn't it? Yeah, it's not great. At meals, and they're just gobbing on the floor. Big greenies on the floor. Oh, fucking hell, guys, you can't be doing that. In the gym, mid-set, on the floor. Like, <laughs> that's carpet. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? It's not the Jones. <laughs> that's carpet. That's like, oh, come on. Um, and we used to go swimming in there, and they tried to make us wear swimming caps. We're like, one, I am bald. <laughs> and two, it's perfectly acceptable for me to snot in this fucking thing. You want me to wear a swimming cap? And we just went, no. Outright, no. We're going swimming. Run, dive. You can't stop us now, we're in. <laughs> and they would come in every occasionally, like, guys, swimming caps. And we'd be like, oh, so we're English, sorry. <laughs> we don't understand. Whereas Sam would be like, Sorry, mate, what are you trying to say? I can't understand. And bring them closer and then try to pull them into the pool. (laughs) (laughs) Or even though we had a pass, we had this free pass by our sponsor to go to the gym, he would still insist on sneaking past security and running in because he just got him a bigger kick than show it. So if ever they did catch him and be like, what are you doing? He'd go, I've got a pass. (laughs) He'd still run past security. So then one day it was me and John Schuyler from the States. Hmm. Just us two in the gym. We're training chest. I've actually got a really good picture of us with this, like, three-foot monk <laughs> at this particular <laughs> workout. Um, I'm sure that's a film I've seen. That's brilliant. Um, so we were, like, we were just training our chest, and uh, we're in there training. This massive crash, huge bang. We're like, what the fuck was that? And everyone else around us was looking around, which is strange, because normally they don't give a shit. Mm. And then we walked over to the swimming pool, and the ceiling had just collapsed <laughs> into the swimming pool. <laughs> I have a picture of this as well. <laughs> the ceiling, with no catalyst whatsoever, had just collapsed into the swimming pool. Was there pool. not like an 18-year-old woman hitting it with a hat? <laughs> battle table. <laughs> you put battle table here. It, but the best thing about it is, which I just think sums the whole place up, the ceiling has collapsed. Me and John, like, what the fuck is going on? And we looked in the pool, and there were just people swimming. <laughs> like, it collapsed. They looked back at us, but can you believe this? <laughs> Ducked under, <laughs> swam around the ceiling, just swam around the debris. This one guy next to us in his little tighty whities with his swimming cap on and his goggles, who was obviously up, was dry. Yeah. So he like he saw it and he was like, look at that. Towel on the side. <laughs> went and got, went and got in. Sure got the swimming cap on. <laughs> yeah. That's why, just think, that's why it was for protection if the ceiling Hard hats, wasn't it? They were hard hats. Um, oh, actually, it's a nice segue from there. We did um, one of the shows. For the first like three or four shows, I was resting in tags because I just broke my finger. Yeah. This was actually, the tour was like weeks after the match with Zack Sabre, Strong Style, yeah. where I broke my finger. Yeah. So obviously, yeah. this is the kind of time scale. Uh, after about four matches of not really bumping much, I realised I don't need to protect myself in tags here. Yeah. But for the first few, we did. And the boss had said to us, like, oh, we've got a couple of these people in and they like the bravado of wrestling and the talk and they've actually seen wrestling before. So can you guys add some promos to the show? We are like, yeah, sure. Me and Sam are both very competent talkers. We'll do a tag, ma- a tag promo before our match. Yeah. He said, perfect. So we went out to do it. And um, also, I was like, oh, so do these guys speak English yet? No, no, no. He's like, oh, okay. He's like, but they'll get the emotion. So, you know, you talk, and we've got this guy here who speaks English. He will translate. Oh, God. I was like, okay. And is he good? Is his English good? He's like, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so he was like, so just 
keep it simple though. I was like, okay, Sam, <laughs> Sam, are you okay with this? He was like, yeah, I'm fine, mate, I'm fine. I was like, well, you say this a lot to me, Sam. And then you go and jump over the counter in KFC <laughs> and split your knee open. Or uh, he's like, no, no, it's, it's fine, Jack, honestly, it's fine. I was like, okay. I was like, well, you take the lead, you do the little start, and then I'll take it home. He's like, okay. So Sam's got the microphone, and he goes, I am Sam Gradwell from England. And then looks to the, to the translator, and he says, like, Sam Gradwell, da 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 And everyone goes, oh, and claps. He's like, okay. <laughs> this is Zach Gibson from England. <laughs> And he's like, we are the best professional tag team in the world. Translates that. We have won every single tag team title in the world. <laughs> Translates that. It's like, we are superior athletes, far superior to any of the Chinese race. <laughs> something along those lines. Yeah. It probably wasn't that blatantly racist. <laughs> but it's something along those lines. Yeah. He translates that. I think then he said, you know, something along the lines of like, we have the best tag team manoeuvres you've ever seen. And the guy looks back at <laughs> I, I don't know that word. <clears throat> That's enough to trigger him. So then he's like, oh, yesterday we went to the gym. And now he's just looking at us going like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he was like, but he still pauses for him to translate. So he goes, we went to the gym and we wanted to go swimming. Looks back at the <laughs> He goes, I don't know that word <laughs> in English. <laughs> we wanted to go swimming. And they wanted to make us wear swimming caps. <laughs> He's like, sorry, Sam, I don't understand. <laughs> swimming caps, I said, <laughs> for the mighty English tag team, the mighty English dolphins. <laughs> and this guy's going like, uh, dolphin? <laughs> He's like, the mighty English dolphins. We do not wear swimming caps. We are superior tag team athletes. You should make us swimming crowns. Crowns of gold. <laughs> He's just going up, talking absolute <laughs> shit. A crowd. I've never been more quiet or confused. Like, you're talking like these businessmen. Just looking at each other going, I don't understand. Like, this went, it went on for like 20 minutes. <laughs> to the point where I didn't enjoy it anymore. <laughs> I was sat in the corner just feeling awkward thinking, we have to wrestle now. We're never getting this back. Then it got funny again. <laughs> then it stopped being funny again. And then they just cut his mic. <laughs> and then the two Hong Kong lads came out in silence. <laughs> we just had a shit match. <laughs> um, oh, God. Um, so, <sighs> how did it all... I'm, I'm aware that we've been doing this for a while and it's late. So I, and I know we'll still have chat. We'll have to do a part. We will genuinely do a part three at some point. How did it all end, like, with the whole... How did it come about that you were like, we should probably go home now? Uh, well, we didn't really get to make that decision. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I say, the visa runs out after a month. Yeah. So, after the first week of shows, uh, we were like, right, time to get paid now. He was like, no, 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 that's not how we do it. Like, we'll pay you next week. Right? Well, guy, no. I mean, we've done these jobs. We need our money now to live. Yeah to pay this stuff because we don't want to go to our bank and get the money out mm. and he was like no you know this is China style this is how we do it here you hear that a lot that basically means um, this is bullshit but we're going <laughs> to cover it with China style yeah <clears throat> so, this is how things are done here is normally you're <laughs> yeah. about to get fucked yeah I've learned we were like I think the first time we gave him a pass but we were like listen we're literally we're not being funny here like we want the money for these two weeks on this date 
or this whole thing ends mm. and you've got eight pissed off Westerners yeah. and he was like no no it'll be, it'll be fine gets to that next show um, he texted us to say like uh, sorry you don't have the money we'll have it next week we texted him to say you do have the money you will have the money and we are not wrestling until you get it and Fair we are going to be sat in our locker room waiting for you I say locker room KTV <laughs> <laughs> I, I used to put my boots and my knee pads on on my bed <laughs> get in the lift in my gear go and sit in the KTV have some beers <laughs> and then go and do the show <laughs> um, so we were sat there and he was like mate you better be there he was like well I need some help so then he shows up he is like a frail sort of old I say old he's probably in his like 40s maybe yeah. but he shows up and he's at the door he sees us it's, it's such a sad sight like he was so scared and frail and he was like Jack this is how he speaks by the way it's not yeah. like an offensive that's how he yeah. speaks a really yeah. soft voice he's like Jack can I speak to you please I knew what he was trying to do he saw me as like the sensitive one of the group <laughs> I was like absolutely not Paul get in here and explain it to the team come on we'll give you another week He's like, oh no. He's like, what? Paul, get in here now and explain it to the team. He's like, oh, I can't. It's too cold. <laughs> <laughs> no. Paul, Paul, get in. So eventually he came in and he was like, oh, okay. We went, look, we're not wrestling. He's like, but the fans are coming in. We're not wrestling. So you go and get us our money. And he was like, okay. So we had to go. And I don't know where he got it from. Probably just outside, really. But he went and he got the money. He brought it to us. And he was like really pissed off with us. Like, well, now I've paid you, so this better be a good show. Paul, this, this is the money that you owe us? You owe us this money? Next week, same thing again. Yeah. And we said, we're not wrestling until you do this. So then he pays us some money. Uh, but again, it was like half of what we were owed, and he was like, can I get you the rest on this time? And just because we're already there, we were sort of having a good time. We're like, okay. Then the visa thing happens. Now we're like, okay, no, we want everything that we're owed. Because he had said to us basically, like, you're meant to get your visa renewed after a month at the police station. Yeah. We went to the police station, couldn't get it renewed, so we have to go back to Hong Kong to get it renewed at that guy's bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> and then come back, and we were like, okay, but we are not coming back un- unless we know there's money here, yeah. so you need to pay us for what we've done. And then on goodwill, we'll go back to Hong Kong, renew it, come back. You also need to book those flights, Paul, yes. otherwise we're not going. Oh, his name's not Paul, by the way, that's just what he calls himself. <laughs> uh, so Drunken Boss is saying, <laughs> this is what you need to do. We go, okay, He's like, I'll give you on this date. That day comes, no pay. Mm. I'll give you tomorrow. Okay, that day comes, no pay. Mm. Paul, we're off flights. We need to get back to Hong Kong. Our visas run out on this date, and then we're illegal. Like, we shouldn't be here. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. I've got it sorted. Next day comes. Now it's like two days to the deadline. Yeah. Still no pay. Still no flights. Then it's like, I think it was two days before, actually. I think that's more or less how it worked. It was two days before we're actually illegal immigrants Mm. in rural China. With no flights, no means of booking them either. Like, just nothing. Absolutely nothing. And uh, we tried to message him, and he just turned his phone off. (laughs) Like, I mean, we can rag on him all we want, but hell of a checkmate. (laughs) 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 We could, we, by the way, we had already spoke about, like, what are we going to do if he doesn't pay us? Yeah. And all, obviously, the bravado starts kicking in, doesn't it? You know, yeah. Well, if he doesn't want to pay us, we'll just go and get him, and we'll pin him up against the wall, and say, you, we'll, I'll fucking march him by the scruff of his neck yeah. to a bank machine. I'll say, you get all the money out right now. I'll go to his house, I'll do this, turn his phone off. Oh, wow, that's... <laughs> <laughs> He's got us there. (laughs) He's got us there. Better get on a plane, guys. So then we start going to his sponsor to bury him there. But his sponsor doesn't really give a shit. Like, his sponsor's just the sponsor. He was like, oh, I'll try and get in touch with him for you. He's like, yeah, but do you understand the severity of this? 
we did know where his office was for his travel company. Right. So we went to his office um, and we like staked out there. We were like, <laughs> and his staff were like bricking it a little bit. Mm. We weren't doing anything bad because again, like we were like, we do you still want to come back for a month though? Because it's so much fun. Like even with him fucking around, it's still so much fun. We want to come back, but we want to send a message. Like, should we like should we beat someone up? Oh, probably not. It's a bit much, isn't it? <laughs> All right. Like, should we like trash his office? Like, oh, but if he, if he wanted to pay us next week. Yeah. Should we just turn everything upside down? Yep, let's turn everything upside down. <laughs> let's turn everything in his office upside down to send a message. <laughs> Did you genuinely <laughs> One of his staff was like playing on video games when we came in. Yeah. They're like, this is why this place is going to shit. Why are you playing on video games? He's like, oh, uh, I'm not. This is my break. I'm just going back to work now. And then he was, there was just numbers on his screen. It was like a screensaver. We're like, what is this fake stock market? Turn this off. Turn this off and pay us. <laughs> Get the boss now. So we rang the boss and then the boss answered, which was weird. But then he's talking to us like, just go back to the hotel. I'll be there tonight to pay you all and to sort your flights. Like, but you're not. You're not coming. And I was telling all the lads, everyone was a little bit hungover. <laughs> and tired. So everyone was like, come on, you'll be fine. I was like, no, guys, I'm really worried about this. They outvoted me. So we went back. He didn't show up. He turned his phone off again. <laughs> we managed to get hold of his middleman, who we knew still had some sort of pot of mm. money for him. So we were like, you are booking our flights home. We're not coming back. He's like, no, no. No, we're like, no. you owe us all about six or 700 pounds at this point, mm. which we are clearly not getting. Yeah. Like, we've already signed off on that. We made, I didn't lose any money on that trip, but mm. I just didn't make any money, which yeah, is yeah. a bit frustrating. But we were like, this isn't happening. You need to get us home. I do not want to live out the rest of my days in Chongqing. This is just not happening. Like, I love it for a little two months, but yeah. I could not live here. <laughs> it's just too mental. Again, tip of the iceberg, what we've talked about. <laughs> so I was like, no, you, you're booking it now. He's like, oh, no. Well, I need to book the flight. So we had to book flights to Hong Kong. That yeah. costs, like, however, 100 for everyone. Then he had to change our flights, which were booked for another month. Yeah. He had to change them to get home. So he looked at ours. We had, like, a 24-hour layover in Hong Kong. And then we'd go home. Yeah. There was, and that was like, for me, for example, to change my flight was £600. Um, actually, no, I think to change my, yeah, to change my flight was like 650 But there was an option for like 450 where I had a two-day layover in yeah. Hong Kong. And he's already put his details in. And he was like, guys, uh, this one, this one, two-day. And I was like, mate, I'm not having that. No, you guys are fucked yeah. up, okay? You're in this with him. You guys are fucked up. I'm not staying in Hong Kong for two days. He's like, oh, but guys, £200, please, you take this one. I was like, oh, okay, mate. Whoops, looks like I picked that one. <laughs> well, looks like I'm going home in a day. <laughs> so we booked all of that. Um, the boss just did a complete run it. Yeah. And this is why, like, any of the little bits that happen you know, where anyone buries them or anything like that, like, you just cannot feel bad for the guy. He no. paid us late consistently every single week. You can't feel bad. He then did a runner. We all end up six or £700 down. Mm. So... Like, straight off the bat, those hotel rooms did not look the same. <laughs> we just had a wild one on the last night. As the ring was in the lobby. Yep. That didn't look the same anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> the canvas is all, like, shredded to bits and everything. Um, there's a big banner outside for the wrestling, which got pulled down on the last day. There's all team photos of everyone looking all miserable, even though we were kind of having fun. <laughs> and, yeah, we, like, we, we literally we had to leave. There was no... We wanted to stay. Yeah. Um, when we got home, it was like two days later, the boss messaged us. He was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I was in hospital. I was really ill. Um, 
I was hoping that you would be back from Hong Kong so I could pay you all. Mm. Like, yeah, well, mate, we're not. So, you know, you still owe us money. If you want to make up for this, just send the money now and we'll come over again because it's so much fun. (laughs) (laughs) This is the thing. Every time people go like, so you were stranded in China? Oh, my God, that's terrifying. So you'd never go back, would you? In in an instant. He was like, oh, I'll pay you, I'll pay you. I was like, okay, well, here's our bank details. You need to pay us now. I'll have the money by next week. (laughs) <laughs> I'll have the money by next week. Didn't reply for a couple of weeks. Got a message from his middleman. Uh, drunken boss has passed away. <laughs> really? really? He was like, no, he, he really was ill. I don't know. I don't know for a fact. But I've been in China for three months of my life now. Yeah. I know enough to know that people sometimes deliberately throw themselves in front of cars to get insurance claims for their family. Like, this stuff happens over there. Shit. Drunken boss is not dead. He is thought to be at large at Foreigner Street, <laughs> which is the world's most mental theme park, which I really wanted to talk about, but we'll save it for part three. Um, I love this. We're teasing the part three already. That's the dream. He's just... He's still alive. This absolute bullshit. He's definitely still alive. He definitely still has all of our money. <laughs> um... He's but just, he's just on Turnbuckle Street buying all the Turnbuckles. But the not to fit the stereotypes. Hmm. I've got his title belt, <laughs> so you can go fuck yourself, Paul. <laughs> oh. so, by the way, just just a quick little footnote. I know that would have been a hell of a finish, yeah. <laughs> but um, the, t- the title belt is worth like a fucking fifty quid, a hundred yeah. quid. It was me seven hundred pounds. Yeah. I'm on the high ground, and it's a cool belt. So you can't really take a title belt into cash converters. It's got a dragon on it. (laughs) (laughs) It was basically when we were finally when we were finally having this bit of just pure frustration. Our flights are booked. You still know that this is bullshit. You still owe us money. I know you're not. We're kind of taking out on his middleman a little bit, and then we sort of apologise to his middleman. Like, look, we know it's not your fault. You have helped us today, so thanks. But we're still really pissed off. I just wish there was some other way to get back at Paul because he's fucked us. And then we saw the two belts that we had (laughs) won, and me and Pete. Not a word spoken. <laughs> Not a single word spoken. Both 700 pounds down. Just picked up these title belts, put them over our shoulders, nodded at him, and just left. <laughs> um, oh. So come, um, next time on yeah. China Stories, <laughs> what will happen at Foreigner Street? Every six months. Why oh. is there a six foot tall spinning monument of the of the Liberty, Liberty statue. Why is that there? Why is that in a the theme park? We're oh going to touch God. on that. Why did CJ Banks nearly get arrested? <laughs> I know that story. Drunkenly. And saved from, from Chinese police with machine guns <laughs> by the bruise away Pete Dunne. Yeah. <laughs> it's often the voice of reason. All of this and more. And part three. Um, um, <laughs> this is ridiculous. It's the most I've laughed at anything in ages considering it's now... Five to one. Oh, God. Uh, right, so quickly plug um, the social media and stuff for the school and your, your, your stuff for yourself as well. My social media, Instagram and Twitter is ZachGibson01. Um, my gym's one is different on different ones, but I'm pretty certain it's on Twitter. We are FS Wrestling UK. If you go on, our, on my own Instagram or Twitter or JD, uh, James Drake's Twitter, You'll just see us posting about it all yeah. the time. And anyway. I'm going to tweet about it as well, because it, yeah. having been here, it's a great school. There's, there's, everyone's enthusiastic, everyone's being taught the right way, and I'm going to try and pop down as much as I can. And again, I, you know, when people say to me, I live here, where should I train? This is 
this is going to be one of the places I point out to people because I think it's you know it's a, it's a good thing. And as well, they can you know they can learn what to do and not to do in China when asked to wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I guess the only other thing is um, myself and James Drake, very progress orientated this merchandise, although it's not specifically branded. We have new merch coming out, new T-shirt. And it's just one that I'm really excited about. I think it's pretty unique to what's out there at the moment. I'm excited because you, you've given me a sneak peek of it. <laughs> and um, loosely based on foreign streets, which I have realised we've not spoke about. So you also have no frame of reference again. <laughs> There's going to be people looking it up now. We're going to have to send people tweets about it. Um, mate, it's been a pleasure. Um, uh, heal your injury up and I'll, uh, I'll speak to you soon. That was The Adventures in China, part two of Zach Gibson. You've heard there's probably going to be a part three. Um, it's going to be even more ridiculous. So much ridiculousness. Um, just tweet me your favourite quotes. Um, myself, at Jim Smallman, Zach Gibson, Zach Gibson 01 uh, on Twitter. Just tweet us your favourite quotes from that episode because there's some nuts stuff in there. Um, quick plugs on the way out check out everything on the distraction pieces network my website is jimsmorman.com jimsmorman.com slash tnj to point people at this podcast and the t-shirts for the podcast jimsmorman.com slash my girls to download um, my stand-up show that i recorded last year um, before i take it down on november the first you can actually download it i know a lot of people are streaming it you can actually download it and keep it on your computer so do make sure you you choose the download thing uh, and keep hold of it um, uh, and again, uh, check the top of my Twitter feed for the show I'm doing in February in Leicester uh, about professional wrestling, incidentally. Um, so do check that out. Um, uh, and uh, progresswrestling.com, demand-progress.com, if I haven't already plugged that. It's really late and I'm super tired. But I'm going to go edit this now and put it up so you've got it first thing on a Friday morning. Because um, I love you guys. That's how this works. It's a, it's a relationship based on love. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks again to my guest, Zach Gibson. And I'll see you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.